Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The boyhood dream has come true. All of you to find out how ugly mankind can really be. Myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face. Talk about your psalms, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Malcolm, everyone, it's the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads get ready for festive times in 2023. We're here by the Pro Powered DeLorean getting ready for festive times in 1996. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell. I am with the Mulligan to my O'Hare, the Clive Fuck of Football, the Rambunctious Jackie Orlando. Jackie, how you doing? Hello, 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 hello. I have given that name over to Holden Give. I, I, I believe it was born here. It, it was, it was born actually all a year ago. It was at the 2022 uh, Cultaholic Christmas party um, when we were playing one of those, you know, Jackbox games, and you all put in names. I, I just put in Clive Fuck. A, uh, <laughs> should we say a a a, a lightly sourced. Uh, Rock Weddle from the back of the room, like a pint of wine deep, just went, Who's Clive? Fuck, that's magnificent. <laughs> well, I believe it belongs to Holden Give now, as, as, as it rightly should. Um, belongs to the world. It belongs to the world, as do you and I on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Are you keeping well, Jack Atkins? I am all right, thank you. I just had a, a, a week off, and luckily, nothing happened. In the wrestling world during that week off. <laughs> you and your fucking weeks off, mate. <laughs> I can't help the fact that I was born on November 23rd, which is, and I share that with Bjork. <laughs> so, in case you've missed it, Jackie Orlando has this incredible, masterful trick of being booked off work during some of the biggest occurrences in wrestling history. Yep amazing yeah. skill i don't know how you do it yeah um yeah so that happened so that was exciting did you have a lovely birthday more importantly yes i uh did what i always do and i frowned in the dark for 24 hours <laughs> everybody's frowning in the dark can't start a fire start a fire in orlando's cold heart he's a gun for hire 
Even when he's just frowning in the dark. Hey. <laughs> it's lovely, that is. Um, I have to apologize. I, 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 like We're like three minutes in and I, I just sound like shit. Uh, I'm not very well today. Yeah, it's uh, those 20 minutes of sleep all year have finally caught up on you, haven't they? Do you know what? It is around <laughs> December that I do start to get poorly. And I think it is those 20 minute night, full night sleep for 20 minutes that eventually my body goes, fuck this, like plus the cold. And you go, nah, you're done, mate. If we were in more seasonal climes, more tropical climes, then uh, I think I'd be okay. But no, uh, I, I, was, I was getting ready this morning to go into work. So this is the, this is the true story. So... I was getting ready to go because I've got lo- I had lots to do today, and uh, and Alex was basically the fuck you're going to work. You're not going to go and give everybody else your diseases. And I was like, I got stuff to do though. And she says no one else can cover it. I said, no, okay, some of these things can be right. Sort it out. You're not going in. So she's very bossy, but she's very right. Um, but one of the things I had to do today, and you may have already heard it on the channel by this point, I had a lovely chat with AEW's Claudio Castagnoli. Hey! Hey! He was a lovely man, member of the Blackpool Combat Club. He was at Wembley uh, doing uh, press for All In. So I was like, oh, I've got a chat with Claudio today. And I just I sat on the sofa just feeling a bit sorry for myself about half an hour before it. And I went, no, no, this will not do for Claudio. Because every time he does an interview, he looks lovely. He looks resplendent. He's a well-dressed man. I refuse to go in looking like this. Like, Coco <laughs> pops down mid-top looking like ass. So I jumped in a very hot shower, blasted my face, washed all the key areas. And then uh, if you're watching on the Patreon, thank you for supporting us. You can see I'm wearing a lovely crushed velvet suit jacket and a nice white uh, shirt underneath it. Like- Which- Took me completely by surprise when we were <laughs> Zoom call because I was like, I knew that Tom wasn't feeling well, and I was just like, oh, that's a suit. I'm, I'm here in trackies and my Japanese house slippers. Your Japanese house slippers. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> we are reflections of perfection in our own way. We really are. Have you even I... got the tidy espresso cup out today as well? Are you... <laughs> Mate, I want a I want a trading card with you on today. <laughs> In a hoodie with your Japanese indoor slippers, drinking out of a little cup. I want a trading card of that. I had crumpets for lunch as well. <laughs> That's what it says on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving all this in. You're all getting. You're all getting my internet lurgy. So yeah, so we we are we're both dressed to the nines today, but we're here to go back to 1996 Ooh, uh, for the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. So we are going to go through this week's episode of Raw. We are two weeks removed from Survivor Series. The era of Psycho Sid is upon us, and we're heading to In Your House. It's time a pay per view hilariously named after a man who will not be headlining it. <laughs> More on that. In a little bit. Uh, but before we get into this week's episode of Raw, uh, a few boring things that are happening in the rubbish real world of 1996. Uh, number one movie in the US is Star Trek First Contact. Mm. The movie of the Borg traveling back in time to uh, prevent Earth's first contact with aliens and Captain Picard and the lads go and try and stop them. This is after Picard got um, assimilated by the Borg so it's post-Borg assimilation. Yes. Do you remember when he got assimilated by the Borg? 
I feel I, like I, I'm not even a Star Trek fan, but I remember him being assimilated by the Borg. No, I'm the same. I've I've never been a Star Trek guy. I quite like uh, as an adult, I've I've come to appreciate the old William Shatner stuff because it's very campy, and I just like all that, just like karate chops and velvet tops. Um, but yeah, I I do remember this because th- this was like. For, for some reason, a massive cultural event. It's like, oh, Picard's a bit robot-y now and a bit a bit S&M. Ooh. <laughs> it was so. a bit. I, I kind of wish they'd, they'd done it. The, I wish the Borg thing had been more across the entertainment pantheon. Like, I loved an episode of Only Falls and Horses where Uncle Albert gets assimilated by the Borg. <laughs> Albert, Albert, get your coat on. What's going on? <laughs> Humans must die. Oh, shut up about the war, Albert. You silly old plonker. <laughs> oh, Dell, I think on Cloud, but it's been assimilated by the Borg. <laughs> Best episode of Only Four Horses. Or, or new, news at 10 with Trevor McDonald or Borked up. <laughs> Top story the Borg are bloody brilliant. <laughs> ah, Trevor's got the news tonight. He's always, I trust Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, audiences uh, on the website Cinema Score gave the film an A minus. Mm. wasn't that good then um number one movie in the uk was very good it's a really good film number one movie in the uk is the first wives club still still hanging on in there yeah. uh, like the way you work it number one song in the us is black streets no diggity uh, number one in the uk is the prodigy and breathe Ooh. exhale exhale and uh we'll be talking about someone adjacent to that song shortly we mm. certainly will. Oh, mm. uh, this is the second single from the album "Fat of the Land." Uh, it samples Johnny the Fox by Thin Lizzy, and there's like a, a like a, a sword shing sound in this, which is sampled yeah. by "The Mystery of Chess Boxing" by the Wu Tang Clan. Mm. Uh, number one across Europe and top ten everywhere else in the world. The video features the band in a flat, in a dilapidated flat with lights flashing, tripping on balls. It won an MTV Music Award. Exhale, exhale. It's yeah. It's uh, we, we talked. Was it? Have we had Firestarter this year already? Yes. Yes. And we were talking about how the kind of cultural shift as soon as that came out, and like uh, Middle England were just terrified of Keith Flint. They were just like, "Oh, this man's got green hair, and he looks like he likes to spit on the pavement." Oh, I don't like him. I remember my nan calling him the devil. <laughs> He's a devil worshipper. Like, oh. <laughs> it's like nice one man you've just made that cool you've made it cool <laughs> but yeah yeah here we are living in a time where there are probably grandparents that do love a bit of prodigy exactly yeah and uh from all accounts keith flint was said to have been a really nice fellow as well so... a lovely man who just knew yeah. his form mm. uh what an interesting week uh outside of uh the charts for stuff right uh, on the 24th of november uh itv goes to four nights a week for the longest running weekly episodic program in history. Fuck you, Raw. Coronation Street. Oh, Ken Barlow getting up to uh oh God, who knows? Who knows what he was doing in 96, the little toe rat. Should have looked it up, really. That would have been nice, but I didn't. So I'm not going to now. Uh, but <laughs> <Yeah>. if you... <laughs> I want to say he was punching Mike Baldwin in the Rovers return in. More than likely, he was punching Mike Baldwin. Uh, if you do want uh, a bit more Coronation Street Pro Wrestling crossover, check out my interview with Les Battersby from last week. <laughs> See, while I was off... Um, I, I got wind of this and told Sean. I was like, you never guess what Tom's done at work. And she was like, why? Where, what? What's going on? Is he all right? He's like, he's fine. But for work, he's interviewed Les Battersby. <laughs> and Sean just went, I could imagine Les Battersby in a wrestling ring. And I was like, yeah, so could I actually, yeah. 
And we don't need to imagine it because it's happening on February the 18th in Manchester. He's getting yeah. into it. Is, uh, is, is he billed as Bruce Jones? Build as Les Battersby. Build as Les Battersby. It is Les Battersby that is wrestling at Sov Pro uh, in February. Les Battersby is doing it. Um, I asked him uh, who his dream tag team partner from the entertainment world would be. He, for some reason, said Tarzan. Uh, <laughs> and I asked him which match he'd like to have with an old uh, an old rival from Corrie, and he said Kembalo, of course. Yeah. Uh, to to which we we half put together a my way video for Ken Barlow and Les Battersby. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, and this is with 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 no hate to Les Battersby, I believe a Les Battersby Ken Barlow match would probably be sort of no way out because yeah. Ken Barlow Mike Baldwin is WrestleMania. Like, yeah, Le- Les Battersby is like European title status. Yeah, but I, but I think he would be like a. Like like a final roadblock en route to Barlow facing Baldwin. Like they'd have like a, a killer last man standing match or something on on the February pay per view to to kind of to ready ready uh, Ken Barlow for Mike Baldwin. Like like when um, WWF just went, hang on, Billy is good. Let's let's give him a bit of a push. And then before they just went, oh, actually no, actually no. <laughs> that's 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 the level. <laughs> God love Les Battersby. Uh, also this week in 1996, the Tamagotchi is released in Japan and the United States. Bloody hell. I know, right? I remember getting one of these. Now, according to Bandai, uh, the name Tamagotchi, do you, uh, before, we, uh, before I give you the answer, do you know the origin of the name Tamagotchi? Is it something to do with an egg? It is. I knew you'd know because it had something to do with an egg. Uh, it's a portmanteau of the Japanese words Tamago, which means egg, and Ugochi, which means watch. It is an egg watch. <laughs> which is what Jack Atkins does every Sunday night before he goes to bed and he opens yes, the fridge door. Egg watch. Yeah, we've got plenty. It's all good. It's all good. Let me just let me just add to the tally. <laughs> have you kept a tally this year? We've not touched base on the tally. I have. Um let me have a quick look. Ooh. Oh, we think we might have the the tally of Jackie Orlando's egg consumption for 2023. Now, do you have the the tally for 2022? I do have for 2022. So we can oh. do a, we can do a, a compare and contrast. Yes, so 2022 I ate 744 eggs. Okay, 744. I haven't got a live count, but I can go from the end of November. So November 2022 this time, I had eaten 678 eggs. Okay. Right. So, so far this year, I'm so, way behind par. I know. I was going to say, I think, I think you, unless you had like a, some sort of egg, egg, um, egg binge or some sort of, what's the word? Um, egg orgy. I don't think you'll, you'll catch up in time for the I, new I year. Do, I don't think I will because, uh, yeah, because I do it day by day. So the end of October, I was on 608, whereas the end of October 2022 was on 615. Yeah. So I am, yeah. I, I am behind, but I have not missed a day in November. I don't think. What? Um, no, I have. What do you attribute to you being behind par this year compared to last year? Uh, What's changed this year? All in. <laughs> you didn't all get as many eggs. You didn't get to go. To, you didn't get to egg slut, did you? I didn't get the egg slot because the road was cordoned off by police. 
<laughs> that is that's dark forces at work that is stopping you hit your egg tally it really I, th- was. I think you're in the truman show mate and just because um just we were in a rush in the mornings and i, I did feel like the uh the grown up of that trip because um some of our other team i won't name them in the mornings <laughs> would come back from tesco with like a can of monster and I don't know what for breakfast. And I'd, I'd be there with a banana and a fresh coffee, just like sugar at this time of the morning. Oh, <laughs> you boys will crash by 1 p.m. <laughs> ah, then, then I will rise. <laughs> and I will steal your shoes. I knew it. Uh, now, so anyway, to go back to Eggwatch, uh, Tamagotchi, mm. uh, children, children frequently took them to school upon their release uh, because a, a, a Tamagotchi pet could die in less than half a day if it did not receive adequate care. So it saw a rise in kids taking their Tamagotchis to school. Teachers expressed concern over class disruptions. And consequently, a lot of Tamagotchis got uh, taken off them by the teachers. This happened to me in my maths class with my first generation Tamagotchi, whereby as I was feeding him whilst we were doing some questions, uh, the teacher came over and took the Tamagotchi off me. And by the time I got him back, my Tamagotchi had just shat all over the screen and was angry. (laughs) (laughs) It was very much a Jackie Orlando Tamagotchi. I remember being in class. I don't know what we were doing. It was because I was in year three at the time and we were all just sat cross-legged on the floor and my best Adam Scoville burst into tears because Tamagotchi died and we all had to console him. Oh... It's devastating. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's the it's the first true experience of loss for many people. Yeah. Did you not? <laughs> did Did you have one? I did. Uh, I don't remember being. I remember being like buzzing to get it, and then when I got it, I was just like, oh, "This is this is kind of cool." I wasn't like proper up on it, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah, it didn't blow you, but I, they were anyway. They were out in this particular week, so expect them to be the must-have present this Christmas. It, uh, it, Fact, I might have one in my desk. <laughs> no way! No way! We're going to check now if Jackie Orlando does indeed own a Tamagotchi still. Because that seems very fitting, considering the this is the week where they were arrived. Oh, he's got Tamagotchi. one! It's, it's, it's a little knockoff. It's oh, a knock-off it's a bootleg one. Tamagotchi! It's called... Gia Yuan. Is it a gigabyte? I, I don't know. I got a fair in Toronto. Me and my friend, they got one each. And we're like, yeah, let's make them poo. And we were in our <laughs> mid-20s at the time as well. So <laughs> Let's make them poo. No. I like the knock the knockoff ones were great. I had an after the first one I got, I got a knockoff one that had a watch strap. Ooh. So therefore, you could just have it on as a watch at school. That's pretty good. So yeah, you could I had... just feed him and then just pop the pop the pop the little lid down, and nobody would be any the wiser. I've got this one. Add. Oh, it still works. I've got a little. Where have on you there. been, father? <laughs> father! <laughs> <laughs> I've I've eaten my own hands, father. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like this one stumpy <laughs> Tamagotchi with blood everywhere, going. Why did you leave? Why did you come back? I've been here the whole time, but yeah, I've got I've got this little <laughs> this little crap one. I had smart chick. I had an official Tamagotchi. I had the white one with the blue trim, and I had an R two D two one as well. Oh, I remember the R two D two ones. Yeah. Oh, they were great. Yeah. I feel like I want to get one for Alex for Christmas. Do it. Oh, that'd be a great stocking filler. 
I, having said that, I'm now thinking to myself, did I do that for for Christmas 2016? <laughs> ah, she can have another one. Yeah. She can have another one. The first one's dead. It's long dead. <laughs> uh, that's the that's the boring real world. Uh, over to Jackie Orlando, who is furnished with a copy of Dave Meltzer's crayon scri- scribblings, known as the Wrestling Observer, for this week in 1996. Oh, God, so I am. I can't believe the amount of preamble this week. And that was mainly me going off about eggs and gotchies and not being dead. Um, so... <laughs> Let me let me thumb through my copy of the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated December the second, nineteen ninety six. So we've got a couple of chunky bits, and there's something later on that when I saw it, I actually went, "Ooh, okay." So, oh, there's <laughs> Is that little... the exact noise that you made? Uh, actually, it's probably more like a. Oh. <laughs> but you know, for dramatic effect, it was an, Ooh, okay. okay. So the main story this week is from the WWF and the World Wrestling Federation held a press conference on November the 20th in San Antonio that actually received heavier coverage nationally in Mexico than in the United States to announce that the Royal Rumble 1997 will take place in the 72,000-seater Alamo Dome, uh, which I have never seen the 97 rumble in full and it's weird when you're having to do research at this time because you're just like oh so do we see the kicking their ass in the ratings wwf they're doing all right they're on a steady climb yeah you know two thousand there for raw you know four thousand there for in your house two thousand for raw seventy two thousand for the raw rumble two thousand for raw <laughs> five thousand it's just it, it's madness. weird isn't it yeah i th- might not not dissimilar to what aew has gone through this year Pretty much, actually, yeah. You know, to have that one massive, like, leap on the page yeah. compared to everything else. But unlike, actually, I was going to say, unlike AEW, uh, Royal Rumble 97 will be the most ambitious live event the WWF has promoted on its own since the 1992 WrestleMania at the Hoosier Dome. And while Dave's put, while the Alamo Dome has a 24,000-seat setup for basketball, WWF is hoping that the combination of building the show around hometown wrestler Shawn Michaels' quest to regain the WWF title, the final appearance of one-time area top draw Jose Laflario as his manager, low bottom ticket prices, discount, discount coupons being passed throughout the state at Taco Bell locations, and tremendous local sponsorship, including the show being co-promoted by the local newspaper. They're hoping this will enable them to draw the best live crowd in the United States in years. And they are... See, see, yeah, they are setting up seating and selling tickets based on the 72,000 seat configuration rather than 24,000. I mean, 24,000 at this time would be fantastic, but they're going for it. So that's ambitious for, for WWF. But, uh, talking of, uh, I can't even non sequitur for it. Right. So they had the press conference. And they're attempting to promote the show, in Dave's words, a rather locally-based Rocky story with Lothario playing Mickey as the trainer, blah, 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 blah. And it makes one believe that Sid will be retaining the title at the next pay-per-view show. And the press conference had three wrestlers speak. So it was Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and Pierroth Jr. from AAA. And there was much internal consternation over the fact that just four days after being given the WWF title in a move that would certainly be questioned by anyone with even the slightest memory of track records, Psycho Sid no-showed this important public appearance claiming that he'd overslept. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, Sid. Sid. Bloody Sid. Do we think he'd overslept? 
Or just couldn't uh, be asked. I reckon he couldn't be asked. I, there's a vibe about Sid that went, if he doesn't want to do something, he won't be asked. There's not a softball asked. game on, he just couldn't be asked. He didn't know. So he didn't there, but like we said, Michaels, Bret Hart, and Pierre Roth Jr. from AAA. So they announced that there's a promotional tie-in with AAA that we've been alluding to for a few weeks. And, you know, we will come to see how that pans out. Oh, yes. Um, as Dave's put here, doing it in San Antonio makes sense from a knee-jerk reaction because San Antonio has a huge Mexican population, has a history in previous generations of support of Mexican wrestlers since Lothario was the city's top draw in the 70s. However, when AAA was strong and drawing almost everywhere in the early 90s, it couldn't sell any tickets in San Antonio and had to cancel a scheduled house show. And as Dave's put, we've already seen with WCW that the idea of just putting Mexicans on the car, and good Mexicans at that, to draw Mexican fans to American wrestling simply doesn't work. Uh, so at this time, the AAA, AAA, I said Triple H, the Triple A deal is a trial relationship with no definite plans other than to take things how they come. On the Triple A television show over the weekend, they announced Pierre Jr. and Latin Lover as being in the Royal Rumble, and they also showed a video of Shawn Michaels as if he were coming to Triple A. So Dave's saying there may be if this relationship continues uh, a joint show in Mexico with the WWF and AAA because WWF has always had thought of running a show in Mexico City so so this might be their in through AAA if they go that way I mean we'll have to wait and see Ross yeah we... Ross you're not Ross you're Tom I've I got Ross on the brain yeah. <laughs> I tell you I tell you this free Ross would never wear a suit to a Zoom call this scruffy <laughs> bastard <laughs> I've set the bar very high today. I know. I feel. I, f- I feel almost Trump-esque. <laughs> so the news of this deal was not lost on Eric Bischoff, apparently, who immediately attempted to get all the former AAA wrestlers that were appearing with WCW for World War Three to sign contracts. AAA promoter Antonio Pena had told the WWF as part of original negotiations that the wrestlers in WCW, such as Rey Mysterio, Psicosis, Juventud Guerrero, Conan, etc., were all under contract to him. And there was definitely some talk about Pena being able to go to court and get the contracts enforced and then be able to direct those wrestlers into the WWF. So Bischoff shit himself here. Wow. So in another world, this could be a thing. Exactly. Imagine that. Rey Mysterio Jr. turned up in 1996. However, to counter this, Conan has claimed that while all those wrestlers do have contracts with AAA, AAA as a corporate entity no longer exists because... uh, We've had in the last few months, there's been fallouts in AAA and it's been, you know, cut off into little different factions. There's Codan's group, there's Provo Azteca, et cetera. So as part of all this, Antonio Pena closed AAA as a company while retaining the name for TV and opened a new company called PAP. But apparently, according to Conan, the contracts for Mysterio, et cetera, are with the old AAA. They haven't signed contracts with this new PAP. So... They've, we'll got not, to... they've not got a leg to stand on then unless they sign with PAP immediately. Exactly. But it's still put the willies up uh, Eric Bischoff and he's, he's trying to get everyone down on contracts. Um, so as a little bit of a fuck you, uh, WCW publicly showed either how shaken up they were or the turn of events of Pena making a deal with McMahon or how mad they were. Because on the November 25th Nitro, as you will, you and Sam Driver will see, they took the mask off of Viano 4 who had jumped from AAA to Promo Azteca just a few days earlier and used him as Mexi- as a Mexican TV jobber for Steve Regal under the name Tony Pena. <laughs> so, 
So basically, bollocks. There's loads of bollocks happening in Mexico. <laughs> I love petty wrestling news. Oh, it's good. Especially, it seems like doing this and reading these old observers that, well, you know, carnyism is still alive in the USA. It's, you know, on the downturn. But in Mexico, thriving. Absolutely oh. thriving. <laughs> A long may it remain. Hey, Talking of carnies, uh, the latest on Shotgun Saturday night is that it's scheduled for a January 4th, 97 start date. While this hasn't officially been confirmed, Dave's belief is they have a TV deal done and are keeping it quiet quiet, sorry, for fear that WCW will try and buy it out. Because in his words, you don't book buildings a few weeks out on the hopes that you can at the last minute put together a TV deal. So according to Dave, Shotgun will air live at midnight on Saturday nights and we'll be put up on satellite with Vince McMahon and Todd Pettingill most likely as announcers. McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, and Paul Heyman went out to scout various nightclubs in New York City to evolve tapings in. Imagine 1996, New York City. You're in the club. You look to your right. Sweaty Paul Heyman, Bruce Pritchard in probably the nicest jumper you've ever seen, and four foot wide, steroided up to the gills, to Vince McMahon's. So they're going, yeah, happening, groovy, yeah. We're young people, pal. I'd be there completely sober, and I think I'd be tripping off my nuts. I'd just be like... That's a hell of an image. Yeah. But I so love that for them. Paul Heyman, like, working heavily with WWF already, and Dave's put here, although Heyman is not an official for the show, um, it wouldn't be a shock to see him have some kind of involvement in it. As he said, what's interesting about this is that McMahon had heavily criticized WCW for the expense of going live every week because of the six-figure costs each week of doing such a show. Uh, and now he's doing it himself with similar cost of going live, but doing a syndicated show that has the added expense of perhaps having to buy his time slot, having to put together a syndicated network that will almost surely not reach as many homes as TNT and Nitro, and being in a time slot where it's going to be basically impossible to draw the kind of ratings WCW does with a live show. So it, it, they, they've shot themselves in the foot with the show. They're obviously the really night. keen to do this very different style. I don't know whether it's just whether it's them just having a punt on like the ECW style. Yeah, but to see whether or not that would fly. Like, I, I like it as a concept, but business-wise, it doesn't sound like it's making too much sense because Saturday night has been with Collision since CM Punk's gone. Saturday night's a hard night to drink wrestling. Yeah. Um, and it, it's saying, Dave's saying here, it, to have enough wrestlers to do the shotgun live, they'll have to water down their house shows because some of them wrestlers will have to be pulled from the tours to work the TV. And Saturday night is theoretically the most profitable night for house shows. <laughs> so we'll wait until January yeah. 4th, 1997. We will see what comes around for Shotgun Saturday night. So as you said before, currently number one in the UK is Breathe by The Prodigy. And unrelated to that, Leaf Cassidy, as we've noticed, has changed his look and dropped the geek persona on his own as a way to get noticed, basically because his contract is coming up and he recognises at this point he's going nowhere. Oh. So oh. right now, so is he? Oh. So he's looking less Rocker-esque now. Because we've noticed that, haven't we? We were just like, that's just Al Snow wearing Rocker gear now. Yeah, he's very much become, he's becoming Al Snow. But yeah. We won't yet see the full... Uh, transmogrification of Al Snow for a little bit, but we're certainly seeing those little little flickers of of Al. And I mean, I, my clairvoyant powers are saying that he often gets 
forgotten as being possibly the most over person in ECW for a while. And his entrance is absolutely fucking amazing still to this day. <laughs> I had a vision. I had a vision. So you're saying that this new look will help him get ahead? Possibly ahead. <laughs> Talking of a head, Jim Ross was still making... Jim Ross has one. <laughs> Jim Ross has a head. And it's full um, of shit well, at this point. Especially in 96. But as Dave's noted, and as we'll kind of see on Raw, um, Jim Ross is still making so- subtle references of feuding with Vince McMahon, but it's been heavily downplayed. At one point across the weekend, according to... Dave, uh, Jim Ross talked about the crowd in Springfield being a capacity crowd and was saying this wasn't a theme park sideshow with a crowd he- headed in like cattle, you know, like WCW <laughs> Worldwide, nor was it a bingo hall. Oh. And Dave's put, this line would come across a lot better if it really was a capacity crowd, which it wasn't. <laughs> Does anybody ever play bingo at a bingo hall? Uh, I don't know. Because when I think bingo hall, like I think of gala bingo. Yeah, I think of, like, Chain Bingo as well. I do. That'd be a good venue for a wrestling show. <laughs> I just thought then, I thought, there's a gala bingo near me. I thought, actually, that'd work for a wrestling show. Stick a ring in the middle. Because I've always wondered, when they say about the ECW arena being a bingo hall, how must that look? Because it, if it's big enough to have wrestling ring, entrance, locker room, the crow's nest, bleachers, and loads of fans... Empty all that out and put old women in there playing bingo. Not to stereotype, but it usually is old women. It must be massive. Yeah, a lot of old women in there. Yeah. Pack them in. Pack, pack them in. Lock the doors. <laughs> Release the hounds. Ooh. Talking of hounds, bit of WCW news. Oh. The Giant has a cameo in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Jingle All The Way. which Yay! According to Dave, it's apparently on the verge of being a flop by Arnold proportions. Oh, it's a great film, Jingle All The Way. Yeah, I like Jingle All The Way. It's been years since I've seen it, but I remember really wanting a Turbo Man because I'm easily suckered in by toy commercials. <laughs> as as we've said already, with you owning nine Tamagotchis in your lifetime. Yes, and uh, if you're watching on Patreon, you can see some of the shite I spend my money on in the background. <laughs> so we have one more story. as the one where we go, ooh, okay. Oh, okay. And it comes from ECW in 1996, where all the things that make me go, ooh, come from. So, Dave's words. One of the strangest deals in a long time, a combination angle and non-angle, took place on November 23rd in Revere, Massachusetts. A 17-year-old named Eric Kulas was put in the ring with the gangsters and New Jack juiced him, apparently with a Zacto knife. Apparently, Kulas, who had never had much in the way of formal training and probably had never gigged before, moved as he was being sliced and it hit an artery and blood flowed like a faucet. Kulas, who used the name <laughs> Mass Transit, oh. subbing for the no-show Axel Rotten in a tag title match teaming with Devon Dudley, needed 50 stitches to close the wound. Supposedly, he came to the building with some midget wrestlers, Dave's words, and thought he was going to do something with them, but then they bailed on him. Bailed on him. The idea of the angle was for him to wear a uniform like a public official and get destroyed by the gangsters. A new Jack asked him before the match if he wouldn't mind bleeding. Apparently, Kulas said that he wouldn't. He wanted to cut himself, but new Jack wouldn't uh, want to do it instead because he was more experienced. So, mass transit, very famous. Nearly got ECW banned for life, kicked off every TV channel, etc., etc. So after very ooh okay. 
Yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was just like, oh shit. I didn't, re- I completely forgot about it until I saw it. So uh, the show was held up after he was bleeding because various people, including Kulas's father, were freaking out because it took 25 minutes to clean the ring up from all the blood. If you've never seen Mash Transit, he is pissing blood. Um, the father was screaming about suing the promotion and later claimed that when he brought his son to the hospital, they wanted to press charges of child abuse against uh, the father because the authorities were alerted because of, you know, you're bringing in a 17 year old boy covered in blood. Uh, nobody believed that something like that happened in a pro wrestling match. So uh, to, to get their baby face character over more new Jack after the incident, after the incident on the house, Mike said that either for all he cared, the guy could bleed to death or even he hoped the guy would bleed to death, depending upon which version one chooses to believe. Oh, well, what a guy, what a jamming yeah. guy. But this will have a uh, this will have some ramifications as we'll see uh, going forward. But... Yes, because ECW is on the verge of like pushing forward with a with a pay per view offering, and they they got big plans for next year. And all of a sudden, they're thrown into the public eye with uh, the the infamous mass transit incident, which takes place this week. Jeez. My- Imagine choosing Mass Transit as a name. It's no Mr. Powerful Alan Powerful, is it? It certainly is. It's 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 no uh, Paul Bromwell and the Bromwell Boys. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's no Barry Goose. It's Barry. it's certainly the mighty Barry Goose. Barry Goose. Barry Goose. <laughs> Barry Goose. <laughs> now, was there some... Uh, another thing I heard about that was that Mass Transit lied about how old he was. I don't, it doesn't excuse yeah. New Jack kind of slicing him the way he did but apparently he lied and said he was much older than he was yes i've heard that he he came backstage with his dad and his dad was in on it so he probably said dad i want to be a wrestler there's a wrestling show coming uh he lied about his age and said he was trained by killer kowalski and a a version that i've heard is that killer kowalski was in the arena visiting and no one went up to kowalski went kowalski train this lad no one went up to that they just went well kowalski's here and so is he that must be how he knows. Put him in there with New Jack. It's so. one of them where you don't think twice about it. Oh, were you? Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, had I worked for ECW at that time, I'd probably been one of those guys that would have probably seen Killer and gone, hey, looking forward to seeing your lad later. What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, you guys. Wrestling. I'd have just been, as a way of a conversation starter. Hey, yeah. looking forward to seeing your uh, seeing Mass Transit later. Who is he? Oh, you know, the guy that you trained along with Triple H. Who's Triple H? Well, he's going to be the, the, the biggest guy in wrestling history soon. Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's going to run WWE. What's WWE? Well, it's what WWF will become when they get sued in 2002, uh, just after the brand split. What's the brand split? Well, uh, it's when they'll have so many wrestlers... <laughs> That they'll have to split them into Raw and SmackDown. What's SmackDown? Oh, well, it's a show that's named after the catchphrase by The Rock. Who's The Rock? Oh, right. Well, it's Rocky Maivia. Oh, I know him. Okay, cool. Now we're up to speed. Whereas backstage in 1996 at ECW, someone was just like, hey, anyone got any cocaine? <laughs> What's cocaine? Well, I can, so- I can help you there. <laughs> Don't worry, lads. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm backstage. You are there to be a calming influence. I never thought I'd use the term calming influence to describe Tom Campbell, but here we are. <laughs> sometimes I can be, sometimes. Uh, moments. Before we get into Raw uh, for this week, what's the date of this week's one? Uh, it's at the top of my notes here. Have you, have you got them on yours? Yes, November 20th, 1996. November 25th, 1996. Quick recap of WWF Superstars before we get into this. Uh, Tom, which, Tom watches superstars. Tom watches super. <laughs> uh, that's the jingle. It opened with a viewer discretion warning for some reason. 
Uh, we get Steve Austin beating Bart Gunn. Billy Gunn comes out at the end to make mate to become mates with Steve Austin and have a go at Bart Gunn. And Steve Austin uh, rescinds that friendship by hitting him with the stunner as well. Don't trust anybody. Steve Austin. Hey. Uh, Flash Funk makes his WWF debut and looks fucking fantastic. D- dancing, pyro, lighting effects, cracking theme tune, the Funkettes, the whole package is is incredibly well put together. He beats Brian Walsh with a 450 splash and just superstar aura just flying off this guy, off Two Cold <laughs> Scorpio. Um, I imagine a lot of ECW hardcores will have been very disgusted by what they saw. Look how they massacred my boy. My boy. My boy. But if you weren't to know what Two Cold Scorpio, where he's been and stuff, then you go, what a cool looking guy. Yeah, because we saw him, we saw him briefly at Survivor Series, didn't we? In the match that got thrown out for a big schmoz, but he didn't really get to show what he can do. But he is fantastic. Yeah, so we had his singles debut at Superstars. We also had uh, a, a a TV debut of Mosh and Thrasher, the Headbangers on Superstars. Ooh. I, I often I often forget like they are around this time because I don't think we're going to see them till like late '97. So no. when I'm watching Superstars in late 96 and there's a picture in picture of them with a boombox going, we're Marsh and Thrasher, we're the headbangers, and we're going to party all over, we're going to rock all over, we're going to It's like, oh, you're giving them the proper boost. Like they had a little picture in picture, they had their entrance, and they won with a lovely powerbomb leg drop combo, which will become Very their nice. finisher. They look good it's, in there as well. It's a weird one, the headbangers, because I think they get a little forgotten now. But at the time, even though their run wasn't really that big or that monumental because they came at the right time as WWF getting cool and they were in the video games and the action figure line. When I was getting back into WWF in like 97, 98, I was like, oh, these headbangers must be a huge deal. These must be like the new, I don't know, Legion of Doom or something like that. But really, the, the their actual proper run wasn't that long. It wasn't a long, they were there for a good time, but not a long time, basically. Mm. <laughs> that was how they did it. Uh, we had media conference footage from San Antonio with no Sid, uh, where WWF announced the Alamo Dome for the Rumble, as we've talked about already. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Godwins beat Nick Barbary and Roy Raymond. Weirdly, on the network version, there's no commentary for the first two minutes of this uh-huh. one. And then they just sort of jump in. I don't know what was cut from there, but something was very drastically cut. And the Sultan and Jesse James have a main event for you. Sultan gets DQ'd for choking Jesse around the ring post. So they fight to the outside of the ring. And the Sultan puts like a like a like a hole like a like a sleeper hold sort of thing on Jesse James, but with Jesse James' head wrapped around the ring post on the floor, oh. and the referee counts him out to five and then DQs him. And this, so a weird match for the Sultan, but he looks dominant in it, and Jesse J doesn't lose. So it's one of those things where it's a matchup that they put on where you don't want you, you don't want Jesse James to be losing, but yet you don't want the Sultan to be losing. So you're on a bit of a hide yeah. into nothing with some of these lads. <laughs> but that's superstars for you. It was a show that happened. Why was there a discretion advice for the choke spot? Or... I, I can only assume it was the choke spot because there was nothing. I thought maybe they'll replay a bit of like Brian Pillman get with the gun and stuff, but no, nothing, I, I didn't. I don't know to be honest with you. It seems like a strange one to put in there, yeah. unless there was something else that was cut out and they just kept the viewer discretion bit. I can only assume otherwise it's the choke spot, which was a bit more gruesome than would normally be a finish to a match. 
1996. Uh, on to Aral, and we kick off with Brett the Hit Mad Heart heading to the ring. Uh, I wanted to, I never mentioned it before, but uh, I always liked how the Fink announced Brett Hart. Because most, the, the, your instinct is to go, Brett, Hitman, Hart! But Fink always insists on going, Hitman, Hart! <laughs> like he's in a rush. Yeah. Hitman, Hart! <laughs> I did love Howard Finkel. Brett, Hitman, Hart! <laughs> I'll have to listen out for that next time. Hart! It's it. Or like he's been punched in the stomach because he says, like, Hart! <laughs> Yanked off of a shepherd's crook. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Brett versus Owen Hart is our I mean, opening to Raw. Jesus Christ. Not only a huge match to kick off the show, but a huge match to give away on free TV. Jesus. Jeez. And then some. A young girl gets Brett Hart's glasses, and there is a bloke behind her who really should know better as a young girl is celebrated getting Brett Hart's glasses. He shows off his four horseman t shirt like he's done something <laughs> fucking special. <laughs> the girl have a moment, God's sake. Is uh, it pin- Paul Roma? It's, do you know what? It might have been Paul Roma. <laughs> We get a picture-in-picture of Shawn Michaels. He's at the Lothario's household. He's being led into the living room by, I think, Mrs. Lothario. Uh, And we're going to be chatting to Shawn and Jose in a little bit. What a busy home Jose has. There's a lot of of clutter in his house. You can can tell he's a granddad, but... uh, what kind of Lothario is he with a wife and a family? <laughs> yeah, the worst kind of Lothario. <laughs> Romeo never settled down. Uh, commentary confirmed that Bret Hart will be Psycho Sid's first challenger as WWF champion. And that'll be your main event of In Your House, It's Time. Eat a dick, Vader. You're not involved. Um <laughs> So that'll be that. So that'll be the the last title match of the year, pretty much. Uh, the match itself now starts very technically sound. A lot of arm holds and arm ringers. Uh, there's one point where where Owen cheats and pulls Brett's hair, and Brett mm. kips up and does exactly the same back. There's little flex through this match where Owen and Brett uh, get a little bit physical, kind of setting the stage for the fact that Brett isn't like the squeaky clean wrestler that he was before he left. Like there's, he's a bit of a dick, a little bit more of a dickhead than he used to be. Yeah. I I noticed this as well. Cause obviously you think back to the classic feud going into what WrestleMania 10 and SummerSlam, et cetera. And the Brett was like, I don't want to fight my brother. I'm not going to fight you Owen. And then this, he's just like, I'm going to smack you in the face. (laughs) And I was just like, Brett's working aggressively. Is, is he building up because he realizes that Steve Austin's an arsehole and he's got to fight him at his own game. I, I was the energy that I got on commentary. They talk a lot about the Austin Brett match and, uh, and a lot of them are, I mean, JR's almost like impressed with the fact that Brett could keep up still with a young guy like Austin. Yeah. Which I kind of think is a nice little storyline f- flick in itself because it's the idea that like, why should you be impressed? He's Brett. Like why, you know, why is it like, yeah. Oh, fair play. Brett can still go. Of course he can still go. But Austin's having to bring out, like you say that, mean streak in him at the same time yeah but uh yeah he was like you said he was he's being a naughty little boy yeah yep. Bret Hart smacking his little brother he's been yeah. told not to do that by hell and he was encouraged to do it by Stu uh they're talking on commentary uh not Stu sadly but uh commentators about the Austin Brett match saying quote from JR it's a sign of things to come no Jackie Orlando it is not the attitude era yet <laughs> 
JR says it's a side of things to come that says it's not here yet. I mean, we did have a viewer discretion is advised thing before friggin' superstars. We did, but then so did Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> that time when Big Bird got his bum out. Uh, <laughs> I love that one. Oh, hey, Bird, you got your bum out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kermy! Big Bird's got his bum out! Waka waka! Big Bird's got his bum out! Must be a massive ass. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very well today. Mr. Hooper leaving his sh- leaves his shop, closes up <laughs> for the day, turns around, there's just a seven-foot yellow bird mooning him, turns back around, opens the door, goes back in and just hides there for the night. Just dies in there. <laughs> what happened to Mr. Hooper? He saw your bombing bird and died. <laughs> he didn't even see it when the egg came out. Ernie! Big Bird's got his bomber! What shit episode of Sesame Street? It's just Big Bird in the middle of the street with his bomb out and everybody going, oh look! Big has got his bomb out! No other context! Just like 45 minutes and then just halfway through a big letter H will come up and then like Liam Neeson will turn up and be like, oh would you look at that bird's arse? And then that's it. <laughs> Oh, Big Bird's got his bomb out. <laughs> That's all the dialogue. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh, I, think it's, I think it's the meds I've taken. I think they're maybe a bit silly, more so than normal. <laughs> Jr. addresses Sid versus Brett in your house, saying Sid's getting his bomb out. No, saying it's not going to be wrestling. It's going to be a fist fight. And so they're they're setting the fact that this is going to be, again, like a very aggressive match going forward. Anyway, Owen clatters Brett with an enziguri as they go into break. We think, oh, now Owen's getting a little bit in on Brett. And the moment we come back from the break, uh, Brett has thrown Owen off the top rope and is back in control (laughs) of the match. (laughs) Uh, A couple of moves of doom from Brett before the sound of some booze. Yeah, it was interestingly. there was, I'm, I'm sure I heard some Owen chants at one point as well. Bit of a smarky crowd, as, as you already alluded to with the Four Horsemen fan. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Brett looked like he was going for a sharpshooter, but instead just punches Owen in the balls. Yeah. Bloody hell, yeah. Brett. Because everyone that? rose off their feet going, oh, sharpshooter. Oh, no, it's just a Canadian punching another Canadian in the dick. <laughs> Sit down. Don't worry. Uh, uh, Brett gets dumped out of the ring. Owen goes for a sunset flip. Brett turns that into a sharpshooter. And this is the the cue for Steve Austin to crack on and crack Brett with a chair in the middle of the ring for the DQ. Uh, Austin's going to Pillmanize Brett Hart. He puts the chair over his leg. Owen Hart's like, yeah, go on, let's do this together. And who is the fucking knight in shining Armani that comes to save the day? It's... Uh, it's our man, Davey. It's Davey! It's birthday boy for last week, David Smith. Young David. David Boy Smith is here. Going, what the fuck you doing? Chairs don't go on floor. You have to set it up if you want to sit on it. <laughs> That's on, not Brett. how you sit on a chair. I've learned how. <laughs> That's what he was doing. Now, to the untrained eye, Bulldog was, every time, it was almost comical. Because every time Austin and, Austin and Owen turned their back, so as Austin went to the top rope, Bulldog would remove the chair from Brett's leg and put it back on the ground and go, don't do it. And then 
<laughs> Eve puts the chair back on Brett's leg, goes to the top rope, and Bulldog takes it off again. And says, I said, don't do it. Now, we think it's him saving Brett, but I wonder whether, as Jackie Orlando says, it's Bulldog going, that's not how you sit on a chair. <laughs> it's, it's it's like when, if you, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. If you're ever around toddlers, whether you've got toddlers in your family, I'd say if you've got one that's three and one that's like one and a half, and the one and a half year olds do with something, the three year olds like, no, naughty. <laughs> and you're like, oh, look at them. Oh, isn't that cute? I can imagine Bulldog doing that. She'd be like, no, no, no. Someone naughty. will get hurt. Leave him alone. You'll hurt his leg. <laughs> I'll tell Diana. Diana, the shadow hurt Brett again. Do you not mean Diane, your wife? No, I mean Diana, Princess of Wales. Well, people's tell, princess. I'll tell here. the people's princess what you're doing. She'll be fucking fuming. She'll throw <laughs> you on a landmine. <laughs> England's rose. Have you been watching The Crown as well, have you, Tom? Yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs> We watched it all in one night. What a depressing night. Like us, uh, uh, Alex and I, like the spirits, we did it all in one night. Uh, and uh, I thought... Of course the they war- can. Of course they can. Of course they can. They're magnificent. I, we watched them up. It's Christmas Carol. Afterwards, to make us feel better. When Michael Caine gets his bum out. <laughs> <laughs> he has got his bum out. There goes Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> 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 and, and and Tiny Tim, who didn't get his bomb out. <laughs> Kermit the Frog bounces down the street with Robin the Frog on his shoulder, Moon and everyone. <laughs> get your bomb out for the wankers in the street. Love. Hey, oh, hey. Tell, tell your Mrs. Bobby Cratchit's at a pint. <laughs> Ooh, ah. <laughs> Are oh, you walking? Are oh, you walking, Tiny Tim? Hey, are oh, you walking, Tiny Tim? Um, <laughs> Ebenezer is a dustman. Anyway, he, a dust <laughs> he, he works for Molly and Molly. That is a fucking spot. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> God's Holly Christmas special coming soon. We're not doing Christmas Carol. We've done that already. Mm. It's different this year. Um, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh boy, is it different this year? <laughs> Have you looked at the script I sent you? I I glanced to see the the the, the roll call and the cast of characters, and I thought, do you know what? Most years we, we do it. This is a little how the sausage is made. We do it blind, so I'm going to go in blind and just go like, oh, shit. Do you know what I love is that you, Maff, and Sam have all said the same thing. When I've said to them all, have you got the script? They've all gone, yeah, I'm going in blind. <laughs> I'm like, fine. Yeah, we've got to, got to do it. On you. Anyway. Um- Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, <laughs> Bulldog, eventually, after playing silly buggers with Austin, Austin gets annoyed with him and just twats him in the back with the chair to wipe him out. <laughs> Owen is livid, screaming, that's my partner. And then Austin goes, ah, fuck this, I'm leaving. So mm. Brett doesn't get pilmanized, but Bulldog gets clattered for coming to save the day for Brett. <laughs> What'd you do that for? <laughs> I was just trying to show you, that's not even how you sit on a chair. Who hits a man with a chair? No, you hit him with a slipper like Tom would. <laughs> yeah, I'll fucking come here, Davey, I'll get you. God love him. We'll get you. So an Austin Bulldog program. What a Ooh. treat. Oh, especially for us. How, how I mean, I, I don't remember an Austin Bulldog program. No. And especially with, with this 1996 Austin who could work, that could quietly be a very good match. It could be a quietly very good match. Oh, I'm buzzing. Let's see what we get. Up next, the ex. Oh, go on. I was going to say, before we go into the world of bollocks, a little bit from the Observer about Steve Austin. Oh, please do. So in Dave's words, they are trying Austin over as a baby face since the lone wolf is a baby face role and he's getting cheered anyway. But they still keep him a heel since his biggest programs will be against faces. The baby face heel dichotomy is on the verge of being dead anyway. Oh. Oh. Good hand. He's a good hand. He's a good hand in the Attitude Era, um, which it isn't yet. But that's a real sign of things to come. And I think it's I think, I think it's kind of something that, he, that, for better or for worse, WCW has led the way with. Mm. Watching it week to week, they've certainly had the shades of grey characters for a few months now. And n- n- that doesn't make them good. As you've listened to the Nitro review, there is a lot of shit on Nitro, and a lot of it comes from this ambivalence of like, are they good guys or bad guys? No, they just exist. Right, okay. I don't know. I don't know how you expect me to care. So it's, it's such a it's such a fine line when you have like a tweener, a lone wolf-esque character where you just, I think they're just hoping that they're powerful enough persona and charismatic enough for people just to react. Because the worst thing to have is a character that people just don't know how to react to. And thinking about WCW, I mean, apart from the obvious one, Sting, what, we'll have to wait for DDP, end of 97? What, for sort of tweeners? Oh, for the kind of, like, lone wolf who probably Oh, for lone wolfy type ones. Yeah, I think at the moment, yeah, Sting, because at the moment, like, everybody is just kind of, the the story in WCW at this point, with, with on the Nitro Review timeline, is... Like the NWO has banded together and WCW has been very much caught with its bum out and its trousers down and doesn't quite know how to rally. And they're, they're trying to form alliances, but they're just not working. Yeah. So it might take a lone wolf to save the day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but speaking of alliances, here's what walking down to the ring right now. It's Mankind and Paul Bearer flanking the, the 
their guy who is competing in the next match, the Executioner! Oh. Oh, Terry Gordy on his way to the ring. And oh my God, bastardized Terry Gordy is fighting bastardized Tracy Smothers. It is the Executioner versus Freddie Joe Floyd. Amazing. They had their first match against each other this year in April for IWA Japan. As Terry Gordy and Tracy Smothers. And at the end of the year, it's the Executioner versus Freddie Joe Floyd. And you can tell they've worked together in Japan because... It starts a little <laughs> It starts a little bit. But when you look at them like this, like two guys who've trod very similar paths, yeah. in terms of being WWF'd, I think Freddie Joe Floyd slash Tracy Smothers got off lightly in comparison to the executioner. Yeah, because I looked into this. Uh, I think Terry Gordy, you know, we, we were shocked to find that um, Doc Hendricks is in his 30s at this point because he's just been around forever. <sighs> I think... Uh, it, Terry Gordy at this point is about 35, 36. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And uh, no spoilers. We have a collector's item here because this will be the executioner's only raw match. What oh. of, of only four televised bouts for him. So oh, God, don't get used him. to him. Well, uh, well, we'll enjoy him today as he lands a drop kick and clotheslines Freddy uh, out of the ring and back into the ring he gets it. Picture in picture shows Doc Hendricks saying Bulldog and Owen are angry and Steve Austin has stormed out backstage. Doc will bring us more. It's like CM Punk's just turned up in the locker room. I, I like I like the way that Doc said, oh, oh he basically, he says, oh, I tried to get a word with Steve Austin, but uh, he told me to fuck off. In not so many terms, he certainly did. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to get us an update. Freddie mounts a bit of a comeback with some strikes, but the executioner shuts him down with a, a series of corner clotheslines and then his finisher, the Asian spike, mm. which is what if you decided to take a mandible claw, but instead of putting it down the guy's throat, you just rested it gently on their chin. That's what the Asian spike is. It's uh, It's shit. It is so shit. <laughs> I think it was meant to just be a thumb on the windpipe, which in a real fight, that would be horrible. But in the world of wrestling, as we've seen with the Samoan spike, if you do it with impact, yeah. Mm. But there's just like him just going, oh, come here, you. Let me gently put my thumb on you. That's basically uh. what it, it didn't. He's an executioner. Like, yeah, surely like a head twist, at least. Yeah. So you grab his head and go, Woof, and spin it both ways. Like, Something around the head as an well, executioner. Uh, I was trying to think. Of, obviously, he can't do a fame master because he's Terry Gordy. But if you had to say his opponent kind of like on all fours and then did like a leg drop to the head, it's a bit like a gear thing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That'd be good. But no. Forget it. Thumb. Thumb, <laughs> thumb to the chin. or, or th In theory, on the windpipe. But mainly on the chin. Mm. Um. One raw match for the executioner. Leave the memories alone. We hardly knew ye. We'll see you on pay-per-view. Uh, we go via satellite to San Antonio, Texas, where Jose Lothario is being visited by Shawn Michaels. They've had a cup of tea and they've made small talk, but now it's time for the business of doing a live with Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler via satellite into Raw. Uh, I like how Jose Lothario, who is uh, in a lovely resplendent old man attire, has a picture of himself looking hench as fuck placed perfectly in the background. <laughs> so you can see it in the center of the shot. Forever working Jose Lothario. 
not not only that, you've also got HBK dressed like a mixture of uh, a biker and Chainsaw Charlie. <laughs> wonderful get <laughs> If you want to see what people look like in 1996, this is a nice demonstration of yes, it. Very um, much. The doctor told Jose Lothario that he has to have a heart operation as a result of what happened, being hit with a Greco- Greco-Roman uh, scare tactic by Psycho Sid off the apron. Um, Vince says Sean's dream has been shattered. Will he put the pieces back together? Sean says that he's lost his edge over the past few months, but he will be WWF champion again. Sean says Jose isn't something that can be replaced. Jerry Lawler disrespects Jose and Sean snaps saying Jose can stick his nose wherever he pleases. But Sid stepped over the line by hitting Jose. Uh, Sean says that he wants to face Sid at the 1997 Royal Rumble in San Antonio, where he will tear Sid apart. Vince asks Sean if the crowd booing him threw him off his game at Survivor Series. Sean says he wants the people behind him, but he will not beg for them. And whether you're with him or not, it's fine. Sean promises to be more flamboyant and take more risks than ever. He says, if I've got to gouge an eye, I'll gouge an eye. If I've got to kick you in the teeth, I'll kick you in the teeth. No more Mr. Nice Guy. I can play as dirty as anybody. Just ask around. Vince asks, will you once again reign as WWF champion? Sean says he'll do it in San Antonio in front of his hometown, and there is nothing Sid can do about it. Uh, Powerful words uh, by Sean uh, that really kind of, again, as you said from The Observer, is selling this rocky comeback story. Yeah, it's really good as well. Uh, Shawn Michaels being a fire arsehole is the best Shawn Michaels because in 1996, as we know, he was a bit of a knobhead. Uh, and a fired up baby face is better than Miley Geek any day. And his words made sense. There was a bit where he's talking about Sid saying that, you know, Jose's been in the game for years and years and years. He knew what he was getting into when he got on the apron, but you don't smack him with a camera. He was just kind of like, and saying that, you know, that he'd said to Sid that if if Sid could beat him one-on-one, he'd shake his hand, but he hasn't proved that he can do that. And it's like, this this all makes sense. This all makes sense from a heat point of view, a storyline point of view, uh, in terms of a an early build for the Royal Rumble. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, as Sean is sounding off at the end of his promo, it turns to a picture in picture. And on the other side, we have Rocky Maivia getting ready to walk to the ring. One of the very few occasions where Shawn Michaels and Rocky Maivia will share screen time. Yeah, because isn't the urban legend that um, either The Rock wanted to work Shawn Michaels or WWF wanted The Rock to work Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels blew him off? And then years later, when The Rock was the biggest thing going, Shawn Michaels was like, how about we work together? And he was like, you can fuck right off. That's not yeah, happening. They remember, yeah, Rock remembered uh, Shawn's attitude and they just never got it together, which is a shame because it's one of those dream matches that we'll never see. Yeah. How, how, what a fascinating clash of styles that would have been. But fair play to Rock for standing his ground. Oh, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Sonny makes her way to the ring. Uh, her and Vince have a little dance. It is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, in, in my notes, I put Vince does a crap dance with Sonny. <laughs> Sonny sits next to Vince. Uh, Jerry Lawler warns Vince to watch his hands. Oh, there's there's too many too many things we could say here, but uh, they're, they're they're all illegal documents hidden away somewhere in a TKO Group Holdings forum. Um, we before we get to the next match, we have the semi-finals of the Karate Fighters Holiday Tournament. Hey. It's Sable versus Sunny. Sable has Wildman Tiger Ninja, and Sunny has Cyber Fist doing it for her. Hard-fought contest, 
but Sunny wins. However, it's revealed that Sunny used chewing gum to keep her figure in place. And Sable is rewarded the match. Sunny responds by punching the referee who awarded the win to Sable. Yes, that That's, all did indeed happen. All was a no thing that happened. Yeah. Nothing much to say. Uh, Salvatore loves you all so much. It's Salvatore Sincere, and he is facing Rocky Maivia. Uh, we get a little picture and picture of all the legends that have been saying nice things about Rocky Maivia. When I say all, I mean Lou Albano and Don Morocco. Lou Albano, who is genuinely very excited about the prospects of Rocky Maivia, and Don Morocco, who is like he's at gunpoint being told nice things about Rocky Maivia. I wonder whether Don Morocco is upset because one day Rocky's going to take the rock moniker from him. Potentially, yeah. As soon as I saw Don Morocco, I went, ooh, did they know? But uh, yeah, it's like you said, Captain Lou does seem enthused. He's like, oh yeah, this 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 kid's got it all. And Don Morocco is like, I I endorse Rocky Maivia. I guess <laughs> I know his dad. <laughs> I know your dad. I'll get, get you all kids. <laughs> uh, Salvatore and the Rock. So Salvatore kisses the Rock at one point to play man games. Sable's like, or Sonny's like, oh, I wish I was kissing the Rock. Perfect. We get a Doc Hendrick picture in picture. Uh, uh, Brett doesn't want to talk to Doc Hendricks. Doc's having a tough night on on the on the job. Uh, Brett has a block in his career in Steve Austin apparently, and as long as they're both in the WWF together, it'll never be over. Ooh. That's a nice little line there. But Doc's not getting any interviews tonight. No one wants to chat to him. Uh, Sonny fawns over Rocky Maivia. Uh, Salvatore dodges a Rocky run, sending the youngster flying out of the ring. Uh, follows up with a lovely baseball slide. Yeah. Jerry Law starts making fun of Rocky's hair, comparing it to a chia pet and calling him Pineapple Head. Ooh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Sonny wants to show Rocky the ropes and a few other things. Aha, sex, yeah. he means. Big um, Bird's bomb. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sonny says, quote, Rocky's the kind of guy you could build an organization around. And I'm going to prison in 2023. Both things that she said at this point were absolutely correct. We should laugh at the second bit because that news has broken literally the day we're recording. <laughs> but by the time this goes out, it's going to be ages ah, after. It's fine. Yes, yesterday's chip paper. Chip paper, in it. Yeah. R- Rocky wins the match with the shoulder breaker. He does like a little hacker-style taunt before landing it, which is something that we don't remember Rocky ever doing. So obviously Rocky's got his own custom taunts and stuff, but he has one which is like... Like, I'm pretty sure it's something that Maui did in Moana, like a hand gesture before he does the the shoulder breaker. Because when, when he first did it, it looked like what he does before the people's elbow. I was like, oh, shit. But <laughs> now he hit the shoulder breaker instead. Yeah, the most the least electrifying move in sports entertainment. What yeah. is it about a shoulder breaker that makes it so boring? I think it's the fact that it's usually a setup for another move. It's like... low impact in comparison to other moves. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say in kayfabe, oh, his shoulder's knackered, he can't get it up. But I don't know. It's a good move. It's just not a finisher. It's not. and it, and it, no. won't, and it But it will be his finisher for a little while until mm. we find something that fits perfectly and transcends. The big bird's bottom. Big bird's bottom. <laughs> big bird's bum out. Mero and Sable are backstage. Uh, Helmsley is going to be ringside for Mero's match next. And Mero promises to batter Hunter Hearst Helmsley if he gets involved. 
Uh, so we're going to get a, a big main event in just a few moments. But Doc Hendricks, first of all, gives us some intel. And the Bulldog wants a piece of Austin. Yes. I like Austin the fact Bulldog, that, you cowards. I like the fact he says Bulldog and Owen have calmed down. And they're just like, <laughs> what were we arguing for? I can't remember. Do you want, do you want some Hannibal? I think I've got some. Bulldog had a little sugar crash. He's just like, oh, I'm tired now. Go for a sleep. Can I just can I have a fight with Austin tomorrow? <laughs> Don't want to fight him today. I'm tired. Princess Diana, where's my nightcap and gown? I'm sleepy. <laughs> it's over here, Davy. Thank you, Princess Diana. You truly are the people's princess. <laughs> Stay away from Paris. Billy Gunn versus Mark Marrow in a <laughs> Because it's cold this time of year. What do you think of it? Yes. Yeah. Billy Gunn takes on Mark Marrow in our main event. Sorry, I'm just imagining the British Bulldog in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Stripey top, beret, a a baguette. (laughs) And he's like, where am I going to get a hot dog big enough to fit this role? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, la, la. They've got a Blackpool Tower. <laughs> How do I get up the awful tower? <laughs> I want to get up the awful tower. <laughs> I've heard it's rubbish. <laughs> oh, no, I can't go that high. I get car sick. I got, I got here on the Eurostar. I was only meant to go to Bolton. Got on the wrong train. <laughs> Thought it was taking a while. <laughs> Everyone here speaks Greek or something. I can't <laughs> understand them. Who keeps saying voulez-vous and would uh, uh, baguette? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll guess... What I've learned is, if I'm in another country, I'll just shout. <laughs> Egg and chips! <laughs> Egg! <laughs> Egg! <laughs> uh, one egg! One egg! <laughs> chips! <laughs> Egg, chips. <laughs> what are you pointing at? Chips, gravy, Gra- gravy, gravy. <laughs> We're such twats when we go on holiday that we just think, "Oh, we'll just shout that little <laughs> egg." One egg. <laughs> Me when I'm outraged the breakfast. One egg. One egg. <laughs> this is shit. <laughs> Take your egg, stick it up your ass. <laughs> and lay two. Get them <laughs> down, yeah. Um Billy Gunn and Mark Marrow is our main event this week of Raw. What a treat! Uh Billy Gunn jumps Mark Marrow from the off. Marrow Marrow doesn't even get an entrance tonight. He's yeah. already in the ring. I felt bad for him. I was like, oh, that's not a good sign, is it? They're clearly pushing Billy Gunn because he's the one that gets the entrance. Just like Les Bat. Yeah. Vince says that um, Helmsley's nose distracted Marrow. So he's got a big nose. That's the joke. Uh, Mm. The fight spills outside the ring and Marrow and Helmsley immediately start jaw-jacking at one another. Helmsley addresses, without saying in his name, the departure of Mr. Perfect, saying, Mm. I use everybody. I use who I need to use and when I need to use them, and I dispose of them like garbage. So that's Mr. That's them. I think Vince says Mr. Perfect at one point, but that's them acknowledging that Mr. Perfect is gone. Did you 
is it just me as well or is helmsley kind of dropped the snootiness from his delivery he just sounds like triple h now yeah he's he's yeah. lost a bit of the snobbiness he's slowly worn down the accents in general because obviously when he started he was a bit french <laughs> <Don't believe it>. <laughs> egg <laughs> Hello, John Paul. Egg. <laughs> one egg. <laughs> That's how he says hello to everyone. Just one egg. Just one egg. Scrambled egg. Scrambled. Scrambled. <laughs> egg. Just give us an egg. And a pint. Pint. <laughs> pint. One pint. Beer. Yes, beer. Pint. <laughs> British Bulldog. I, uh, British I don't Bulldog say it every week, but fuck me. What this podcast would be ten minutes long if Davy Boy Smith didn't exist. If, if we didn't have our Davy Boy, who bless him, had a heavenly birthday last week, and we took a week <laughs> off in, in as as a bank holiday. <laughs> That's why I had the week off. It wasn't my birthday. It was Davies. Because we didn't have an episode that we an episode didn't go live last week. So if anybody asks, I'll go, well, it's a bank holiday for the classic review because it's Bulldog's birthday. Feels wrong taking the piss out of the guy on his birthday. The feast of St. Davy, as we call it. <laughs> Egg. <laughs> Chips. Beer. <laughs> pint. <laughs> Egg, chip, pint. What time's karaoke? Karaoke! What time <laughs> is karaoke? <laughs> time! T- time! Karaoke! <laughs> la la la! <laughs> We're the worst on holiday. <laughs> We're horrible people. Um, <sighs> Billy Gunn has a lot of offense in this one. Nearly gets rumbled with a sudden inside cradle, but then mm. Mark Merrow fly- fights back into it. Gunn goes up top and Merrow bounces off the ropes to stop his climb. He then hits a Frankensteiner, but only gets two. Helmsley starts stalking Sable at ringside. Um, uh, Merrow gets into Hunter's face about this, and Billy Gunn jumps in from behind, and this ends up being Billy Gunn and Hunter Hearst Helmsley in a proto-DX fashion, beating up Mark Merrow. Uh, and, and and this carries on until, thankfully, Jake the Snake Roberts bombs to the ring uh, to send the baddies packing. Uh, what a weird end sequence of Mark Mero, Sable, and Jake Roberts standing tall over Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Billy Gunn. It was a very random foursome at this time in 1996. But, it really um, was. I thought this was a decent match, though. Two good work, as I've often said, that I think Mark Mero is one of the most underrated um of the 90s, especially in WWF where he's doing what's it like shooting star presses and stuff. And Billy Gunn is still good 30 years later. But um and I thought the ending was although it was lame and predictable as a match ending, it ended raw hot with a four-man brawl, which I'm always in favor of. So I think that's probably why this match went on the way it did, because they wanted to have the they wanted to tell the Bulldog and Austin story throughout the night. They yeah. couldn't do that if this was on last. But they wanted to end it with a hot angle, so I guess having it with these four brawling was probably the way to do it. Yeah, um, makes sense. Makes thought, a lot of sense. Thoughts on Raw in general? Uh, I thought it was a, a good Raw. I thought the opener was really good. The end match was decent. Obviously, the execution of match was tosh. My <laughs> VA match was serviceable but unexciting. But we had storyline progression for HPK and Sid, Austin and Brett. 
Hunter and Mero, Bulldog and Owen, there's, you know, a bit of trouble in Paradise, and also Bulldog and Austin. And it was an efficient use of the time because I think Raw have nailed their format now because it only seems like maybe a month or so ago when they first started having all the cutaways and people phoning in that it was just too much in one episode, Mm. whereas now they've got the balance nice. So, yeah, good episode. What about you? Yeah, I, again, like I feel like it wasn't as 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 loaded as some of the episodes have been where they've tried to cram too much in. Mm. Uh, that it was a bit lighter this week, and I think it helped it. Uh, yeah. I, I think the Austin Owen uh, Brett stuff was probably the hottest bit of the night for me. Uh, I kind of wish we'd had something a bit more to show at the end of the night, as opposed to just Hendrix cutting in. And going, yeah. no one wants to talk to me. I like to have maybe ended on like Bulldog bursting out of a locker room and going, egg! No. Uh... <laughs> Pint! Pint! <laughs> Pint! I wanted Bulldog bursting out of a locker room just going, I want to fight Austin next week. Like that yeah. would have been a nice way to have tapped it off. But as opposed to just cutting to Doc Hendricks several times going, no, fuck the fuck if I know. That would have been a bit nicer, but I enjoyed it. It whizzed by as an episode, and Raw is one for doing that compared to Nitro. Um, these episodes do just fly by in a blink, whereas Nitro feels like like you're wading through toffee to get to the end of some episodes. I, I will uh, I will admit um, something here that I, I could have easily kept to myself, but... Um... As I was doing my research for this, I accidentally watched um, half of the next week's episode. Ooh. And I was like, oh, and I was like, this seems this seems a bit, you know, of a change in pace, considering last week was the first one after the pay-per-view. And like you said, we usually say that episode one is the second part of the taping. Yeah. And episode two is the first part. And I was like, this is a weird way to open a show. And it wasn't until we got to the karate fighters section <laughs> and it showed, as we saw last week, Sable and Sonny, and I went, ah, shit, I'm watching the wrong one. <laughs> but on the plus side, you've already started your homework for next week. Yeah, I've got all the notes written, save the two in new documents. Get so. in! Yeah. That's, that's a dream, that is. That is a dream. Hey, by the time this goes out, um, a very special piece of business is going to be on the on the channel. And I'm really like, this is something that I know that Sam has devoted a lot of his life to, along with uh, some of our fabulous writers as well here at Cultaholic, uh, as the golden years of the WWF arrives on the channel. A three-part documentary all about uh, those early Halcyon years that birthed the company that we know today. It is an ambitious, it is a beautifully produced, fantastically written, excellently narrated piece of uh, content for YouTube. It feels weird calling it content. I feel like it's something a lot more. Uh, and part one is ready for you now. It landed yesterday. First time hearing of this because no fucker tells me anything anymore. I, I, I saw it on the on the <laughs> schedule. So <laughs> I just, I, I've, and Sam has, and I've been doing uh, the podcast with Sam. And if you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll know that Sam references the mystery project that he's working on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was only on the episode that we just put out the other day that he was able to reveal what that mystery project was. And it is indeed uh, this incredible piece of, uh, of of wrestling history that is awaiting for you on the podcast, on the YouTube channel right now. Mm. Uh, so do go and check that out, you cowards. Mm. Um, we've got about, I think, maybe two more of these before the end of the year. Maybe one or two more, we think. We're not too sure, but we'll let you know. Yeah, we, we're, we're, we're going to do some... Uh... 
we're going to get on another Zoom call later. We're going to get blueprints. We're going to get like <laughs> pictures of targets, and we're going to hash out a whole caper. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, at, at least two after this, I think. I think two, and then lest we forget, on Christmas Day you will have the Cultaholic Classic Review Christmas Special. Slightly different to this year, only in the sense that if you listen on the podcast feed, you're going to get um, a bit more of a, a an audio production on there. I'll say mm. no more. But if you're a Patreon, you get the full undiluted table read, uh, which will just be carnage as it has been every year. I'll I'll have to see if I can get up to Newcastle for it, Tom. Oh, please try on Christmas Day. I will. I'll try <laughs> anything to avoid my family. To- <laughs> <laughs> Same here, mate. Same here. And for the latest wrestling news throughout the day, check out cultaholic.com. He's at Brad Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together at Cultaholic on Twitter. We haven't said CM Punk once in this podcast. Fuck, I just did. Fuck. Bye. Pints. Pints. Like a pie <laughs> with an un at the end. Oh no, they've given us a, give me a pie now. <laughs> well, it's lovely, but it's not one. I can't drink pie. Or can I? I mean, I kind of can. Oh. <laughs> I've never drunk kidney before. <laughs>Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.